Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! June 29th, 2023. I am Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and having a great week so far. A lot to get into here today from Forbidden Door Review and Money in the Bank predictions. Stack show per usual here on WrestleRant Radio for myself and Mr. Marcel. We'll get into that soon enough, but first, we got an exclusive interview before Money in the Bank coming up on Saturday afternoon with one of the combatants in the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match, that being new, one of Raw's newest acquisitions, new Raw superstar from NXT, Zoe Stark, the new pupil of Tristratus. Uh, she joined me a couple of weeks ago to talk all about her involvement in the match, her call-up being paired with Trish, her finisher, and so much more. So, really cool insight and one of Raw's newest acquisitions, as I mentioned. And then in the back half of the show, we'll get into our thoughts on Forbidden Door and, like I said, Money in the Bank predictions. If you want to check out WrestleRant Radio every single week, new episodes available on Thursdays on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Music, and Pandora. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss new episodes every single Thursday. Without further ado, enjoy my exclusive interview with new Raw superstar, Zoe Stark. Graham Jason Matthews, your Bleach Report fan side of Daily DDT. Today we're talking one of these newest acquisitions of the Raw roster coming up from NXT in the latest WWE draft and also qualifying for the women's Money in the Bank ladder match coming up next month at Money in the Bank. We're talking to Zoe Stark here today. Zoe, how are you? I'm amazing. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Like I said, you just arrived on Raw and literally within, what, five weeks, you now find yourself not mm-hmm. only aligned with one of the GOATs in Tristratus, also in the women's Money in the Bank ladder match, I mean, what's your reaction to that? Has it really sunk in for you yet or not yet? Uh, oh, it definitely has. It's it's crazy to be able to think that I get to work alongside your Stratus. Uh, just like even last night, it's weird to think that I could send her over a text message with a quick question or something. She gets back to me so fast. So it, it's it's great. I'm having a great time with her. I mean, immediately just in the last, what has it been, a, a week and a half since you guys linked forces up at, at Night of Champions, mm-hmm. helping her beat Becky Lynch, and now being in a prominent spot on the Raw roster. Has this come together fairly, fairly quickly for you as far as coming from Raw, be, or rather coming from NXT and now being on the Raw roster? Or does this feel like where you felt like you were always destined to be, maybe just coming a little bit quicker than you were expecting? Uh, definitely, this is where I felt like I was always supposed to be. But it has happened a lot faster than what I thought it was going to. So, like, I'm on NXT, like, yeah, I was prominent. But then I was thinking once I got drafted, it's going to take some time, slowly get in involved with everything. But, no, they threw me right in, sink or swim, and I feel like I'm swimming pretty good right now. I feel like going into the draft, you were one of those names that a lot of people expected to see you on Raw or SmackDown coming out of the draft. Mm-hmm. It was inevitable at some point anyway, but specifically with what you have done in NXT, being a former tag team champion, going for the gold, coming up short of stand and deliver, going into the draft, you were one of those prime names that a lot of people felt like were Raw or SmackDown bound. I, I assume you felt like you were the same way in that same boat and also kind of going off that as well. What was your reaction when you heard your name called in the WWE draft? 
uh, I was excited. And the, uh, if you saw the video of when they actually announced my name, that's the true way that I felt, just extremely excited and ready to go. This is all I've ever wanted my whole life. So being able to be a part of Raw is absolutely amazing. My dreams are coming true. You find out in that moment that you're headed to the Raw roster. Like you said, we did see that uh, that video that they put up on WWE.com and they aired it on Raw Talk as well. Uh, super cool, cool to see one Raw coming up at that point in the draft. I mean, when you go into a moment like that, do you get your hopes up? Like, all right, I'm definitely going to the main roster at this point. Or do you try to temper those expectations thinking there might be more for me to do in NXT for a little bit longer and I might not get called up right now? Like, what's your mindset going into an event like that? I try my best not to get my hopes up. Like, I'm sitting there saying, all right, yes, I hope it does happen. But if it doesn't, that's okay. There's more things that I need to do in NXT. So it's, I feel like it's important to make sure that you don't put all your hopes out there because if it doesn't happen, you feel really let down. Was there know, anything so. Yeah. Oh, no, kind of going off that, was there anything else that you felt like coming out of the NXT run? Obviously, you went for the championship a couple of times, partaking in that great ladder match. Like I said, it's Stand and Deliver, former tag team champion alongside EO Sky. I mean, that feels like the ceiling right there. Obviously, there is more you could do. Were there any, I don't want to say regrets, but like, did you feel like you had unfinished business in NXT or did you feel like it was your time to move on up? Uh, you know, a little bit of both, you know, because I wanted to win the NXT Women's Championship. But also at the same time, I felt like I've done all I could do in NXT. So if I wasn't going to win it, then I felt like it was really going to be my time to just move on and really go for the big, bigger things. And the few matches that you've had so far, you've been extremely impressive. I mean, obviously, anyone that followed your work in NXT knows that you're one of the best from bell to bell in the ring that WWE has right now. But now everyone else is getting to see now that you're on the raw roster as well. When you go into your first match or even a match like on Monday with Natalia for this qualifier for money in the bank, is there anything in your mind that you say to yourself, yeah. this is what I want to prove with this match to this audience that may not have seen me in NXT and anything that you want to prove going forward? Uh, every time that I go out there, my mindset is I want to have the best match of the night. That's always just my thought process. And look, it doesn't happen every single time and that's okay. But I know every single time that I go out there, I'm putting my best foot forward and I'm going to do my absolute best. Is there any one match that you've had so far, including your next, I mean, obviously in Raw, you've had two matches so far. So I guess including your yeah. entire WWE run that stand out to <laughs> as your favorite up to this point. Um, so I'm going to go back to, uh, yeah, Mandy Rose. I feel like we, we told a story there and I feel like that's really important to do. That's more important a lot of, a lot of times than the action inside the ring you got to make people feel the emotions that you're trying to portray out there so i felt like mandy and i did a really good job of telling a story it wasn't long after that match that you had that character shift from good guy to bad guy face to heel whatever you want to call it and i feel mm -hmm. like at least as a fan that was when you really started to hit your stride as far as from a character standpoint did you feel that same way or did you like was, did that feel like a turning point for you or what were your thoughts going into that uh definitely like a turning point because being the bad guy, I could just be more honest and more myself and not care what anybody thinks, mm -hmm. you know, being the good guy, you got to kind of, you want the crowd to like you and cheer for you. So you're trying to do this thing of being like, no, really look at me. I'm great to cheer me. But as a heel, you don't need to care about that anymore. It's like, you're going to watch this, whether you like it or not, you paid the money. And I know you want to sit here and watch me. I'm going to yeah. be completely honest with you. So it's way more fun. And we've been getting more of that side of you since you went heel last year. And the cool thing is that it's not like, I mean, obviously it's an obvious change from what you were doing before, but it's not 
a drastic shift where you're like have a completely different character or a completely different gimmick or something like that. Like you said, you're just being honest. Do you feel like the who you are right now that we see on WWE TV is closer to who you are in reality or just an extension of yourself up to like a 12 or where does the current Zoe Stark on TV fit into who you are in real life? Uh, I feel like it's an extension of myself. I'm not as mean as I am on TV, <laughs> okay. but I am honest in person. I like to, I don't like to sh- sugarcoat things. So I'm going to be try. I'm going to be straightforward with you. Was there a promo that you've had so far? Cause I feel like a lot of the promos you've had since you've gone heel have really stood out specifically that first one. And uh, right after the Nikita Lions turn, and then especially recently in Raw, we've seen more of your personality in the vignettes and video packages that have been really well done. Going into that sort of stuff, was there any one that you felt most proud of? I and mean, we talked about your matches, but as far as the mic work, was that something that you were used to going into the promo side of things from prior to your time in WWE? I personally feel like I've always had a harder time uh, with promos and mm. I always get good feedback from them to where they say that it's really good, but I'm so hard on myself to where every time I do a promo, I'm saying, oh, I could have really done this better, do that better. I really pick things apart and it's not always the healthiest thing to do, but it does make me better for the next promo. So to say if there's a favorite promo of mine so far, I don't think so, but I know the next promo I do will be much better than the last. Mm, that's a good way to look at it. I mean, you talk about getting feedback and stuff like that. Was there any one pivotal person? I mean, obviously there's a whole slew of legends that work at the PC. Was there any one person that was pivotal to your development in WWE, whether it be in ring character stuff, promo, whatever it might be. Uh, so I'll probably, I'm going to give out uh, two names here. Uh, Ryan Katz. He's our promo teacher at the performance center. He really helped me find myself and being more comfortable with who I am on, on uh, TV and on the mic. So he's, he has a wealth of knowledge and he's amazing. He's absolutely amazing to pick his brain. Uh, the other guy would be uh, Coach Bloom, Matt Bloom. Every time I go with him uh, for critiques, he gives me different ideas and he really helps me be unique from everybody else. Yeah, I mean, it's especially it seems like the feedback that you've gotten from them that you've applied to the promos. Like you said, making each one better than the last. I feel like that's been apparent for a lot of people watching your work since your NXT days just a couple of months ago to where you are now. With the vignettes and stuff that we saw when you first came up from Raw, I feel like of all the call-ups, not just lately, but I feel like in the last year or so, and again, it's only been six weeks. I know it's been extremely early in your run, but it feels like everything has been done right in your run so far from, you know, winning your matches, looking impressive in your matches, vignettes, video packages, the pairing with Trish, I feel like was a win-win for everyone involved, the fans, yourself, Trish as well. Uh, as far as the video package and stuff like that go, do you have any input in that sort of stuff as far as what you can talk about or just showing more of your you know, personality and, and background and stuff like that? Or are you just kind of going out there and trying to show the best that you can? Uh, as far as that package goes, uh, I was working with the guys and they were allowing me to be just me. They, they weren't trying to tell me how to act or what to do. They were allowing me to just, hey, speak from the heart and say what you want to say. So that everything that I said on that, that was that was that was a lot me where I was able to just put out that emotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you do still get, you know, you get the bullet points and stuff of, hey, this is what we want you to talk about. And that's exactly what they did. And then you just kind of fill in some of the different parts. And there's been a lot of call ups, I feel like, like I said, in the last year where you know maybe not just in the last year, but really just ever where it's kind of like I said, a drastic difference from what we get in NXT. Sometimes even if it works there. It's always different in the main roster. That hasn't been the case with you so far. Again, we're still very early on, but the Zoe Stark that we have on Raw right now is the same Zoe Stark from NXT. 
Was that kind of yeah. something, maybe not that you were, I don't want to say worried about, but like going into Raw, you were hoping, all right, I hope it gets you to just continue doing what I'm already doing in NXT, or are you kind of hoping to do something different? No, I, I mean, I was definitely hoping that I could still just be me. Like, I, I was a little worried that they would have me do something that I don't feel comfortable. Not, not, not that I'm uncomfortable with yeah. it, but it just doesn't feel like me. You know, the fans could see that when you're putting on an act where you just feel uncomfortable with what's going on. So I wanted to stay true to myself and who I am. But I definitely, you know, the, being able to work with Trish, like I wasn't expecting that. So that's the other side of it to where yeah. I get to learn from Trish now and just take leave from her. That's pretty crazy. Like you said, just one phone call or text away from getting advice from literally one of the greatest of all time. I know it's said on TV every single yeah. week, but like legitimately, that's a pretty <laughs> crazy spot to be in. Uh, just talking about that again, going to the Raw roster, not having to really change much about yourself, which is great. The music. The, I was there at Raw on, on, in Hartford on Monday. The music is, is great. You've had it since your NXT days. They haven't changed it, which is great. We hear a lot of new theme songs all the time. What are your thoughts on your theme song? I feel like it's one of the better songs in WWE right now. I feel like it fits you to Thank a T as well. It does, because that's exactly the kind of music that I listen to. Uh, when I first started in NXT, Road Dog kind of talked to me asking what kind of music I like. So I sent him a song by uh, I Prevail. And they kind of listened to that and they knew exactly where I was going with and they made that. And I hope they never change it because I'm very <laughs> happy with that song. <laughs> I well, love it. Yeah, no, it's a really good song. I, I feel like it sets the tone for your matches every time you go out there. And it's cool too. I feel like Bronson Reed's in a similar spot where people may not know, not may, everyone may not know who you are right now as far as the main roster audience, but they do know who you are by the time your match is over, especially after you hit yeah. that amazing finisher. I mean, talk about the genesis of that. Was that something you were doing prior to WWE? Because it's, again, we talk about the theme song, kind of the same thing. One of the more impressive things in WWE right now is your finisher. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so when I was on the indie circuit, I wanted something unique and different. I didn't want to steal another, uh, steal the wrong word, but borrow another WWE Superstars finish or anything. I wanted something that was me. Mm -hmm. So uh, one day in uh, Las Vegas where I was training at FSW, I had a friend and we were just kind of playing around with moves, trying to think of different things. And he happened to backflip and we just started playing around with it and added it in the knee. And there you go. The Z360 was created. So you, uh, Matt Vandegrift is his name. So I'm going to give him a shout out. He helped me out with that. So thank you. Very nice. I mean, when you do it during your WWE try, maybe not during your tryout, but like when you first signed to the company and they see you do it. I mean, I assume they already kind of knew what your finish was at that point. Is that something that you think that they say like, all right, you're keeping that. Like, I mean, especially since it's so different than everything else we have in WWE right now, and even in wrestling, I'm not sure yeah. if anyone's doing a variation of that. Was that something that you were hopeful that you get to stick with when you come to WWE? Oh yeah. I felt, I felt pretty good that they would let me keep it because it was so different and unique enough to where it's like, okay, you can't really change that. Yeah. You know? So I was very happy. They let me keep that one. Have there been any instances so far in the last couple of years you've been in WWE, maybe even prior to WWE as well, where you've, because it's such like a precise move and I could be wrong, but yeah. it feels like watching it, it has to be very precisely executed to make sure that yeah. who you're hitting it on, you don't completely mess up. I mean, obviously it hurts, but sure. like, have there been any in, like very close calls? I mean, Becky obviously got a busted nose at that night of champions. Any close calls so far? <laughs> no, Becky's the only one. Oh, okay. Well, that's a good first impression. Right. Yeah. I needed <laughs> to make a statement. I made a damn good statement with that. They show that my move is lethal. 
Well, we talk about that heading in Money in the Bank as we wind down here with this matchup. What are you looking to? I mean, we talked earlier about what you want to prove now that you're in WWE. Going for that briefcase. Again, you're a fresh face in the matchup. We have Becky Lynch, someone obviously who wants to get their hands on mm-hmm. you as well. Zelina Vega's in there, more names to be announced. What are you looking Do you feel like this match suits you? I mean, we've seen you in the ladder match before for the NXT Tag Team titles, the match where you yep. uh, lost the belts a couple of years ago. Is this match very Zoe Starkish, like right up your alley? Very much so. Yeah, I, I I do some crazy things in a ladder match, and the WWE Universe will see that uh, in London. Are the goals pretty obvious as far as winning the match, holding on of to course. it, staying aligned with Trish? I mean, I guess it's it, it it speaks for itself, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. I want to win that match. Who doesn't? You know, <laughs> I'm going to be the one that will grab that briefcase, and then I'll go talk to Trish, and we'll figure out a game plan on what's next. Hey, maybe you guys can cash in for the tag team titles. I'm not sure if that's been done yet. Maybe it hasn't, but maybe we will. You'll uh, have to tune in and find out. We'll see a lot of different directions we can go and looking forward to that money. The bank, Zoe, you're in there. Congratulations. Congrats on the call up and all the success you've had so far on the WWE roster. I look forward to the rest of the thing. So much for the time. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Big thanks to Zoe for the time. She was a treat to talk to. The full video of that interview should be available on my YouTube channel before Money the Bank on Saturday. Coming up on Friday, youtube.com backslash WrestleRant. My video interview with Shayna Baszler also went up last week, so you can check that out. Um, and other interviews posted or you know recorded from throughout the year also going up on the channel soon in video form, so give those a watch when you get a chance. Uh, now let's jump into the past week in wrestling from Forbidden Door to Money the Bank coming up on Saturday. Mr. Marceau, brother, how you doing? Doing well, how are you? I'm doing great. Excited for Money in the Bank on Saturday? Can't wait, pal. Coming up, you know what the best part about the show itself is that the fact that it's coming up at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Now, you work on Saturday. Can you watch it live or can you, are you going to have to watch it after the fact? So, I actually have a cook I'm going to, so I'll probably mm. watch it, like, after that. But I don't think I'll be there that long, so I probably won't watch live, but I'll probably catch up. Like, I'll probably start watching around, like, 6 o'clock. Okay. So. All right. Just, just so I can avoid spoilers of texting you anything that happens, and so I can save the text on standby for when Logan Paul wins and when Becky Lynch wins the briefcase as well. Yeah, I have the Becky LOL ready. It's already in my draft, <laughs> so, I mean... I mean, I get, it's it's kind of a run on joke at this point, but usually it happens. Like when I hit you with a Roman LOL at Mania, I wish I was there with you just to see your face. You know, I mean, that one stayed for like months, but I mean, it felt great sending it. Honestly, <laughs> I know you. I'm it sure was you... in disarray, and I was just like, gotta hit him with it. The best part is that I didn't I didn't think it would actually happen. I said for weeks and months, you know, there was a real chance Roman could retain here, and you know, I'm a fucking idiot. You know, I'm a I'm whatever. I did no one. No, I'm not saying I was right because I predicted a Cody Rhodes win, but I was still in shock because I don't think anyone actually thought they would do that, myself included. But they did, and uh, we still talk about a weekly here in the show, or at least I do, as far as why Cody Rhodes should have won, but. I don't want to even say more beyond that because I still complain about it on the weekly. But it's funny, you, you said that you wish you could have seen my face and having been there. There was someone that was a part of like that wrestling media group because we were on the ground. I think it was Seahawk. His, his name is Cameron Hawkins. He works for The Ringer. His name on Twitter is Seahawk. Great dude. He was filming reactions of people. I don't know if he included me in his final video, but he was walking around like getting reactions of everyone that uh, of when Cody Rhodes lost and I was one of them so I don't know if I'm in the video or in the tweet that he put out at the time this was a couple months ago I'd have to go back and check but to say that I was speechless would be an understatement I had nothing to say so as you can imagine I don't remember even what I texted you you texted me what you did I don't I don't even remember how I responded but uh we we don't like to re- we don't like to uh 
remember or relive those times from when Cody Rhodes, th- those dark days of just three months ago. Well, we got Money in the Bank coming up this week, and I am excited for the show. Uh, WWE's on kind of a strong streak of pay-per-views in the last six or seven months, man. I mean, you look at the last, really, the Triple H era, and it's had its ups, it's had its downs. Things to complain about, things to praise. But one thing that has been consistent that you can't argue with, I feel like, in my opinion, is the string of quality pay-per-views that WWE's put together. I mean, not just no, I, recently. I mean, the Net of Champions and Backlash were great, but all the shows that they've done under the Triple H banner have been awesome. Would you agree? Yeah, I think they've all been pretty well. Um, I honestly try to think of it out loud, like think in my head, like which ones I stick out that weren't like the greatest. But I mean, I think they all have been pretty well. I mean, I don't recall Extreme Rules that well. That well, I know that Wyatt came back that show. I honestly don't even really remember too much that happened. But um, thinking about other ones, I mean, I feel like they all have been pretty good. I mean, the crowds have been really good, too. I feel like when they kind of dipped into different markets, they haven't hit too often. It's kind of freshes up the crowds. So you get a better crowd reaction as well. So it can make things that aren't that good kind of seem better than they are. So I think that's been one of their stronger points. And I also think, like, the Bloodline story has been great, obviously. Judgment Day is kind of running raw, and that's been pretty well as well. So I think I think this is going to be another good show. And like you said, I think that's pretty much been their stronger point that all their – all their pay-per-views have been like good to good to great. Yeah, I mean we've mentioned it before. It's an exciting summer on tap between what AEW's got to offer and WWE as well. We have Money in the Bank coming up in London, which is going to be awesome. They were in Cardiff last year for Clash of the Castle, and that was one of the best shows they've done, in my opinion, in years. Uh, being back in that atmosphere should be great. That's still on my bucket list to attend. Not just WWE, but really any wrestling show. I mean, primarily a you know WWE or AEW show. In England, and this would have been great, but it just didn't work out. But SummerSlam's on the horizon in Detroit. Man, what a what a wonderful location. No offense to those who live in Detroit, but um, it kind of pales in comparison to. Not that Saudi Arabia is great, but that Saudi Arabia show was quite good. And they've been international for the last couple of months. It's going to be their first domestic show. I mean, obviously Puerto Rico's domestic, but you know, it was it was somewhere where they haven't taken a pay per view to in a long time. Uh, Detroit. I don't remember the last time they were there, but it's going to feel a lot more like. Mania or like the Rumble and just the city they've gone to, um, you know, more frequently in the last couple of years. But still, AEW's got Forbidden Door in their rear view. They have All In coming up at the end of August. And Chicago just announced as well, officially. We kind of figured that'd be the case. But they have that officially announced for um, Labor Day weekend, along with WWE's Payback pay-per-view, which we talked about last week. That's coming up in Pittsburgh that weekend on Saturday. And Chicago is hosting All Out again for, I think, the fifth consecutive year that Sunday. Um, but all in before then in London, the weekend before, and then we had Forbidden Door just last weekend, which we're going to get into right now. Um, overall, what I thought was an excellent show, thinking back on it now, probably to me anyway, in my opinion, the strongest show they've done on pay-per-view in recent memory, uh, obviously better than Double or Nothing, which was a very inconsequential show. But Revolution, I thought was quite good. We talked about it at the time. Full Gear was also a really good show. All Out was kind of a mixed bag just due to the whole media scrum stuff that that show will be remembered for. Double or Nothing we watched together last year. That was not a great show, in my opinion. So you'd have to go back a while for the really last, to me, great AEW pay-per-view that they've done. And I thought, again, Revolution was good. Full Gear was good. This show didn't have a lot of super significant storyline progression sort of stuff, but I thought overall it was just a really fun show, if only from an in-ring standpoint, which is kind of the whole purpose of this pay-per-view. So before we break it down here, what were your overall impressions of Forbidden Door last Sunday? Of what I saw, it was pretty good. I mean, I didn't see, watch every match hand by hand, but from what I saw, I thought it was a pretty good show. Like I said, I, it's I kind of wish like I, I like like the show, but I hate how it's 
like once the show is over, there's a kind of it's done and they move on because it's just a different company they're collabing with. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think watching it, I I kind of wish more people were in the states more often than they are. But I mean, I think the matches itself are good, but like I said, there's no like really storyline progression, so it's like a more of like a super show than anything else. But I thought most of the, the matches I watched were pretty good. I would say. Yeah, well, breaking down some of these matches here, I know you said you haven't seen all of them, but just kind of overall takeaways of, of not really the match itself, but really just what happened. MJF, for example, walking out still the AW World Champion to a surprise of absolutely nobody, retaining the title. Um, they had an entertaining match. The championship was never in jeopardy, but I think it's safe to say that that championship is in pretty solid, secure hands in the you know grasp of MJF until Adam Cole faces him next, I would assume, and when he gets his next shot, prefer not preferably, but... Uh, preferably or likely, whatever you want to call it, probably it all in, right? So no one really poses a threat to MJF in the meantime? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought this match was okay. I thought it was one of MJF's weakest matches in memory. I mean, I know Tanahashi is a little bit older. Just, I don't know, it wasn't my favorite MJF match, to say the least. But, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, like I said, I didn't think the championship was ever in doubt. I don't think it ever was. Um, I mean, I don't... I'm looking at, like, I don't think Cole will beat him. I'm honestly more interested to see who they have to drop the belt to. I like Cole. I just, I don't know, I'm kind of over this. Now they're doing the tag team thing. So, I guess we'll see from there. I just don't think he's the one to beat MJF. So, honestly, at this point, I, I really don't know even who he put the belt on. Yeah, no, we've discussed this before. I mean, I think Darby Allen still remains an option for down the road because I know he got pinned at double or nothing. It wasn't as even... It wasn't as if he wasn't pinned at double or nothing, but I just feel like there's more story to tell there between the two. Only them and not Guevara and, and Jack Perry and whatever. So that's something to explore down the road. Um, you know, the Wardlow was an option at one point. At this point, it's hard to take the guy seriously. We talked about it last week. Losing the TNT Championship on that first collision show in Chicago. How anyone could care at this point is beyond me. Um, you know, maybe at some point they could do that as a TV match. I'm not sure. But Adam Cole, I'm not saying he should be the one to take the championship off of MJF. I wouldn't hate it myself. I don't think he will. But if it's not him, the question is, like you said, who? And another question is, when will they do it? Will they wait until the end of the year? Is the storyline that MJF will go through the entire year and pull a CM Punk and say, I'm leaving with the championship? Does Punk then attempt to take the belt off of MJF? And I don't think he will. I don't think he should. But that's something else worth exploring for later on in the year. We'll see. Uh, Speaking of Punk, though, do you want to talk about this match? The match itself was quite good. Uh, Satoshi Kojima in a quarterfinal match in the Men's Owen Hart Cup Tournament. Punk winning, of course. They had a fun match. Um, it looked like it was supposed to be Punk and Kenta before Kenta pulled out. Uh, for his own reasons, it was never really explained why. I would have to imagine if he was supposed to face Punk in a fucking quarterfinal tournament match with no real build, I could see why he probably wouldn't want to do that. So they changed the opponents and ended up being a good match. So with Punk, though, my bigger takeaway than the match itself, um, just watching Collision the last couple of weeks, the reactions he's been getting... Uh, on these shows. He hasn't been back for many shows. He was at Forbidden Door, two collision shows, and that actually that first collision show, and one Dynamite, is what I was going to say. Two of those shows were in Chicago. The other ones were in Canada. Uh, we'll find out on Saturday what the reaction room on Saturday is going to be, if he's even on that show. I don't remember if he's being even being advertised for Saturday night. But it's been very polarizing, to say the least. And I've, I've talked a, a extensively about this myself, so I won't go into great depth. But just talking about... The dynamic there, are you a fan of it? Are you not a fan of it? With him being kind of like their version of John Cena for right now, kind of what Cody Rhodes was doing before he left last year. Does that bother you? Or do you feel like, as I am, I'm just kind of expecting a full-blown heel turn for a little bit later on down the road? Um, I mean, I think 
like what happened between him and the Bucks have definitely not helped his popularity. I mean, I think as a business, you want him to come back as a babyface. I mean, that's how he left. I mean, he's over in Chicago. It seems like everywhere else he's kind of getting more of a mixed reaction. I guess it's only Toronto, but I expect it to keep going. I don't know. I just feel like business-wise, I, I think you'd want him to come back as a heel. He's their best drawn person right now. I mean, I understand why, but I feel like what the Bucks and Omega have done to him, I mean, it doesn't help that cause. So, I mean, I don't love the idea that he's coming back as like a heel or a tweener or whatever you want to call it, but I mean, I think, like you said, it eventually could lead into a heel run, but like right now he is like their their biggest baby face, so I don't know. Do you think they won't turn him because of that? Because he is being positioned as their biggest baby face on the brand that they're kind of hesitant to turn him heel at some point because of that? And if they do turn him heel, which I feel like has got to be inevitable, if these reactions continue. Now, I know they're going to be in Canada for a while longer, so that's also something to consider. Um, if they're, when they're back in front of a more casual crowd, so to speak, in the U.S., maybe it won't be as bad for him. But is there anyone on the AEW roster from Collision, Dynamite, whatever, that you think could replace him as the top babyface of that show? Because the Elite could be options like Omega or Paige, but they're not going to be in the same show as Punk that defeats the purpose of Collision. So does anyone else come to mind to fill that role for you? <laughs> not really. I feel like everyone else on Collision I've seen so far are heels. I mean, Miro's a heel. Andrade's a heel. I mean, I guess, I mean, I, I still consider him a heel. I, I feel like they're babyfaces, but I don't think they're the guy, though. No, I don't think they're the guy. I mean, Ricky Starks, no, not yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, for what we've seen so far, I, I, no one would stick out like, oh, they, they could replace Buck as, a, as, a, as the biggest baby face. Yeah, I mean, he's supposed to be the face of the show, so I'm not really sure what they would do. If Jay White's on the show and Samoa Joe are on the show, they kind of feel like the top heels already, so them kind of treading the line of him. At least he's acknowledging the negative reaction and playing into it. I mean, it's not very babyface-esque, but again, it's better than him... I said this yesterday on a hashtag, but it's better than him just being out there and being like, hey, I'm a fucking baby face, and, uh, you know, he's he's ignoring the reaction. He's playing into it, so at least it's it's better than that, which I appreciate. Um, Orange Cassidy's still the international champion. Did you catch this four-way match or no? Let's take a guess. <laughs> I enjoyed the match for what it was. Um, not your cup of tea, I'm sure, but it was a well-wrestled match. Cassidy's still champion, no surprise there. Sonata retaining the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship against Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Now, the match was very underwhelming. Uh, definitely one of the weakest matches of the night. Not that it was bad, just very weak. We had worse matches on the show, which I'll get to later on. Um, so, Jack Perry, the real takeaway here is that afterward, he turned on Hook, and that was the real appeal of this match, is that we knew that Hook would be in Jungle Boy's corner. And he never factored into the finish, and that was the whole point, is that I guess he didn't help Jack Perry win, or he was just pissed, or we took it out on him. Whatever the fuck. But he attacks him afterwards, cements the heel turn, has his first heel promo on Wednesday night. We talked about it before we hit record here, but I want to get it from you again. Your thoughts on the heel turn, because it's been a while in the making. Uh, they've been teasing it in recent weeks. He's been getting negative reactions. I'm glad they're running with it, as opposed to fighting it. And I, I feel like even from a storyline standpoint, whether it was intentional or not, the seeds have been planted for a really long time now from like the conciertos that he would deliver to Christian at Revolution a couple months ago. Christian wanting him to kind of embrace the dark side. A couple of years ago, even at full gear when he hit the concerto on one of the Bucks, I think. So they've been really planting the Jungle Boy heel turn for a long time. I didn't think they would actually do it, but I'm glad they did. Uh, again, I'll get your thoughts in a sec. I enjoyed the promo last night, and I think it's a step in the right direction. We won't know how he'll do in the role until you give him a shot. If it's a failure, it's a failure. But I think it's better than him just staying a babyface and calling himself Jungle Boy and wearing the friggin' uh, Jungle Boy attire and whatnot. So what were your what was your takeaway here? 
So, like, I think going be, uh, going heel was the right decision because, like I said, I feel like he wasn't over as a baby face. I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I, I really don't understand why he turned on Hook. Hook didn't even do anything. And also, why would anyone care about him turning on Hook when they've been teaming for, like, a hot second? So, I think, like, the actual heel turn, like, it needed to happen. How it was executed kind of didn't make any sense. But, I mean, I, like I said, we all knew he was going to turn on him. I feel like maybe if Hook coughed in the match, okay. Hook didn't even do anything. Mm-hmm. So, like... As a way, it didn't really make much sense. But like you said, I think the promo itself, like, if he meant it, okay. But, like, everything with him, I feel so scripted and it just doesn't feel authentic. So that's why I didn't think it was, like, a good promo. Like, it was a good promo, but I just don't think he means what he's saying. Like, I feel like he comes off very staged and scripted. I don't think he actually means what he's saying. So for me, it's like, okay. He's just playing heel now. It's not like he actually, like, with Christian, like, I feel like Christian means what he's saying. Jungle Boy looks like he, like, memorized a script and said what he said. Yeah, Eddie Kingston also has that, like, genuine vibe to his promos, too, so I could I could totally see what you mean. I agree with that. The logic for the heel turn, he didn't say this last night, I don't think. He said, I didn't turn on Hook, the people turned on me. I would assume, yeah, Hook didn't do anything, they've been teaming for a cup of coffee, like you said. But I would assume, like I had said, and he didn't say this, so I'm not saying that this is the explanation, this is just my own speculation or how they can spin it, is that he did fall short of winning the top title in two different companies within the span of like 30 days, losing a double or nothing, and then again at Forbidden Door. He was fed up, so he turned on the first person that he saw, that being Hook. And I I like the fact that he turned on Hook specifically, because Hook is over. I know their team hasn't really lasted long, and I'm not like the biggest Hook fan, and he hasn't done shit for the last year now with that random-ass title. But listen, he's also been champion now for almost a year. He's, he's been over since the moment he arrived in AW. Is he less over than he was a, over a year ago for Hook? Yeah, absolutely. He's not remotely as over as he was. But he's still much, very much a fan favorite to where I think Jungle Boy turning on him gives him an over babyface to work with. Does that make sense? It does. But like I said, I feel like Hook's kind of just there. But I mean, I listen, I agree. I'm just saying that people like him, though. No, yeah, I mean, yeah, I get that. I mean, they like everyone, so... <laughs> well, him, him more than most on the roster. <laughs> no, I get it, I get it. Yeah, he's just really over... Listen, don't ask me to explain it, because I can't, because he just doesn't really do anything. He comes off as cool, I get it. He just hasn't been involved in much of note or of anything, really, for the last year, so... That's why I've kind of... I was never really on the on the hype train to begin with, but... Um, you know, he's just kind of there at this point. But maybe, maybe this can give him something to do. Honestly, I would be... What I would do, if you save the match for All In, which is in two months, they might have to do it before then, I would just have Jungle Boy, or I, I, ditch the Jungle Boy shit. He also said last night he's not coming out to that song anymore. It's a great song. It's a real song. Ditch the song. It's too Babyface-esque. No reason to keep it. Give him new music, slightly new look. He came out looking like Christian last night. I agree. Uh, no, uh, what was it? Uh, not V-neck. What the fuck is it called? Uh, turtleneck. He wasn't wearing a turtleneck, a turtleneck like Christian does, but other than that, kind of had the Christian look. Maybe he'll link up with him. I just kind of feel like that's unnecessary. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, the group. He, honestly, he might. They'll just reunite the group with uh, Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and, and Christian. I guess. What what's old is new again, I suppose. But um, you can have him ditch all that sort of stuff, and I would have him beat Hook. If you do the match, whenever it might be. Hook's been undefeated since he arrived in the company. How meaningful is that undefeated streak when he barely wrestles on mainstream TV? To me, not at all. And he's been beaten—he's beaten a lot of losers and not really anyone of importance aside from what QT Marshall, who gives a shit. But I feel like he'll probably—he he should anyway—beat Hook and take that FTW title from him and then dump it in the trash because it serves no purpose. 
Is that something that you would want to see? I just feel like pull a 24-7 title with it, and that's how. if you want to give the guy heat, that's how you do it. I'm done. <laughs> Win that belt and throw it in the trash for blogs. You're yeah. not wrong. I mean, the title is worth. It's, it legit is worthless. So, I mean, it, I, I get it. It's just it's funny how you said it. Hey, I mean, it's been a prop for this long. Why not uh, Why not expedite the process and just take it off of them? And they, Every person who's held it so far has had a year-long run. From Cage holding it for a year, dropping it to Ricky Starks, who's held it for a year, dropped it to Hook who um, has now almost held it for a year, and it's about time for him to drop it too. This time, drop it in the trash. And that's how you get hook on, uh, that's how you get heat on, not on the hook, but rather Jack Perry. So that's how I would book it and give them both some direction going forward. Um, the 10-man tag was what it was. Tony Storm beating Willow Nightingale for the, to retain rather, the AW Women's World Championship. I thought it was a good match. I like Willow. Uh, she was not going to win here and become Willow two belts, but it was a good match. The Outcast stuff has been better. It's not been as awful as it was. They don't really still have a storyline explanation. They're just kind of a group of women who dominate the division, which I guess is better than nothing. But, you know, it was a good match. Um, I'm also okay with the Willow loss because I think looking at the bracket, I know you probably don't have it memorized like right in front of you, but looking at the bracket, I think she might be the one to win this entire women's Owen Hart Cup and beat Athena uh, in the semifinals because that's not in the finals. They're on the same side of the bracket. So Willow already advanced. Athena already advanced. That's the next match. They'll probably have a match next week. I would have Willow win and go to the finals and win the whole thing. That's what I would do. And then maybe be the one to take the Ring of Honor belt from Willow. Not that anyone really cares, but just to give her more championships and give her more TV time because I like her a lot. But did you have any thoughts in this match and what kind of went down here or no? Yeah, I thought it was fine for what it was. Like I said, I didn't think it was the greatest match. I didn't think it was like awful. It just kind of was there. I mean, there was kind of in a death spot between the 10-man and I think Omega and Osprey was next. So, um, But no, I, I mean... I think Willow's are good. I like Tony. The outcast stuff, like you said, it's kind of just still... They're now just a group of people that, I guess, they, they don't really have a direction. I mean, what's going on with Soraya? I got, honestly, that's, like, the thing about them. I don't, like, is she cleared? Is she hurt? Is she not wrestling? Like, I don't know. I feel like her signing just puzzles me more and more every time I see her. But I like what Tony's doing, so I guess that's a step up. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, listen, her matches before she uh, took some time off weren't the greatest anyway, so I'm not exactly... Upset about that, and I'm glad that Tony's champion over over Soraya personally, just because I feel like Tony can have better matches and whatnot at this point. Not that Soraya should never be in the ring, because we complained when she first came in she was never going to wrestle, but, you know, I mean, they should put her in the ring not every week, I would think. But still, I think they have a good thing going with Tony Storm. I like that. So the Women's Owen Hart Cup, I don't know, I, I haven't even looked it up, but just going off my memory, Sky Blue beat Anna Jay last week, I think on Rampage to advance to the next round. She's going to face the winner of Ruby Soho and Britt Baker, which we were supposed to get last night. Britt got sick, so she's gonna they're going to have that match next week on the show. So it's going to be Sky Blue versus the winner of that match. And then on the other side of the bracket, like I mentioned, Athena beat Billy Starks on the Forbidden Door pre-show on Zero Hour, so that's going to be one match. And then she's going to face Willow Nightingale, who beat Nyla Rose last week on Collision. So looking at all those matches, and we have three women that have advanced, Willow and Athena on one side, Sky Blue on the other. Um, who does Sky Blue face? Does she face Ruby or Britt? And who would you have win the whole thing? What do you think the finals will be based off the women I just told you? And who do you think wins the whole thing? And who do you think should win the whole thing? Jesus Christ, kid. Gotta keep um, you on your toes. I think Ruby would win, I would assume, because Sky Blue is a baby face. So you'd have her win the face Sky Blue. And then 
like is Athena a heel? Like I don't, I don't even know. She's a heel, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, honestly, I would probably have Sky Blue win. I mean, they seem like they're very behind her right now. I mean, I, I think she's still got a little season to go, but you could have Athena beat Willow. You could have like that cast cost her. She loses, and then Willow helps Sky Blue beat Ruby. Finals Athena and her, and you have her win there. So I, I, that's the direction I would go. And I like Willow. She already has like a. T- I mean. Because it's New Japan, but I guess she already has a title. I, I think if they're really behind Sky Blue, I feel like it would be the right decision. I think she still needs some time, but I mean, it can't. It won't hurt putting her on TV more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an option. She already lost to Athena a couple of weeks ago in a Ring of Honor Women's World Title match, so I guess this would kind of give her her win back. You could say the same thing for Willow, but I'm not sure if Athena, who hasn't lost in almost a year, they're gonna have her lose in a semifinal match. So, uh, Sky Blue winning the whole thing would make sense. Looking at the men's bracket, so Punk already beat Kojima at Forbidden Door. The next three quarterfinal matches happen on Collision on Saturday, actually. So Punk's facing the winner of Samoa Joe versus Roderick Strong, as if it's Ring of Honor in 2005. But I'm looking forward to that match, by the way. That should be really good. Um, And in the two times that Joe was in NXT, they never had a match because I think Roddy showed up right as Joe was winding down in 2016. And then when Joe came back in 2020 or 2021... Um, he wasn't there. He, like, he only had one fucking match and he won the belt and then he got fired soon after. So they never had a match then either. Um, but yeah, so they're going to have a match on Saturday. The winner of that match will face Punk, like I said. I think Joe wins that match and we're going to get Punk and Joe in the semifinals. On the other side of the bracket, it's Dustin Rhodes and Powerhouse Hobbs. I think Powerhouse should win that easily. And he's going to face um, the winner of Ricky Starks and Juice Robinson, which should be won by Ricky. So we're going to have a Team Taz reunion of sorts in the semifinals on one side, Punk and Joe on the other. I think it's going to be uh, I think it's going to be Ricky and Joe in the finals and then Ricky wins the whole thing. I think Ricky really hasn't won a lot lately. He lost to Jay White 3 times in singles action and tag team action whatever. Uh kind of needs a win. I think that might be it. He can beat Joe in the finals and Joe was in the finals last year and he can go to the finals again and lose again I guess. So uh who do you think is winning some of these matches? Who do you think wins the men's Owen Hart Cup this year? I honestly going with what you said. I think it'll be Ricky and Joe in the finals. Yeah, Ricky win there. I think Punk beating Joe in the semifinals because they have a story from their Ring of Honor days that Punk could never beat Joe. Um, I think that could be Punk's real first feud back. I know he's kind of feuding with Bullet Club Gold right now, but I think the Joe thing is his first feud back, and that would kind of give Collision some juice at the top of the card. No, no pun intended. I agree. Yeah, I know. I was gonna say no, no pun intended. Um, but yeah, that's what I would do as well. So we go to the final few matches here. Forbidden Door. Will Ospreay taking back the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship from Kenny Omega. Um, excellent match. One of the best matches all year, no doubt. I preferred the first match for reasons slightly different than yours, though I do agree with your logic, which we'll get into in a second. But I just hated the fucking the overabundance of the Don Callis interference. That that bothered me. Um, but I thought they had a really good match, though. Osprey is, you know, we kind of talked about it over text the other day. I, I don't think there's an argument, whether you like this style or not, just just generally speaking, not speaking to you specifically, Mr. Marceau, that he's one of the best in the world. I mean, the guy can go in there and have an amazing match with everyone from Kenny Omega, who we really saw return to form in this match, which was important. Not that Omega's never been good, but like he just hasn't had this type of performance in AEW so far, and we saw it here. But he can go in there and have killer matches with Kenny Omega, Dax Harwood last year in Dynamite, and even you know Orange Cassidy. They stole the show last year. And they had an amazing match. I mean, Osprey is just a generational talent. You could say the same thing about Omega, but Omega at least is on a bigger platform in AEW. We don't see Osprey all that much in AEW. He's been around a few times. You know, last year, this year, he's amazing. 
Uh, but he's in New Japan. It sounds like he's going to stay in New Japan because he doesn't want to leave Japan or England or wherever he's living right now. He's certainly not going to WWE, it sounds like. Uh, I just thought this was a really good match, and I echo what you're about to say about the kickouts and stuff like that. But overall, I thought it was an excellent match. No, I, I think I think I said it to you. Like, I feel like out of all the people I've seen through like the New Japan, whatever you want to call this partnership, show combined, whatever you want to call it, I think Osprey is definitely the one that stuck out the most. I mean, I like Jay White, but I feel like he kind of was just like another guy in the match last year, and now he's kind of starting to get his footing in AEW, but. I think Osprey. Every time I've seen him, he's come off really well. It's honestly to me a shame that he'll never come to the states if that's the case. Because I don't watch New Japan. I'm never going to watch New Japan. So, I mean, I think he's really good. I think he could be a big star in both companies. But I mean, if that's what he wants to do, I guess that's what he's going to do. But I thought this match itself, like I said, I thought it was really good. The cow's interference, even after he got kicked out, was annoying. But like I said, the, I think the constant like no selling. They did like a spot. They both hit like probably three or four each hit like a back suplex or some kind of maneuver on each other. They both just kept popping up and doing another move. Like that no selling I don't like. And then when he hit him with the screwdriver into the exposed elbow, hits hits his other finish. I don't even know what you call it. It kind of looked like a sit out. I don't even know what the fuck it's Oh, called. the uh, storm breaker he calls it. Yeah. I don't sure. know. I don't know what the move is. But that's what he calls it. Omega happens to get his foot on the rope. I'm like, okay. Picks him up, hits him with the one wing angel, kicks out at one. I'm like, what are we doing here? Hit him with three finishes and his own finish. He kicks out a one, and then then he had a then he hit him with a tiger driver, dropped him on his fucking head, hit the elbow, and hit the fucking storm, whatever the fuck, and won. Yeah. So I feel like the finish was just very flat. I don't know. Like, I don't like when you have to hit the guy with a thousand moves because at that point it's just like a move off. At that point, like, I thought I, if they just if he hit him with a screwdriver, okay, you get the callous interference. Hits him with his finish. One, two, three. Okay, that's fine. When it starts going to the abundance of kicking out, and, like, I, I don't like that in any style match. Like, if the finish is a finish for a reason, so he hits him with a screwdriver in his own finish, it should just be one, two, three. You got fucked. Callus helped him out. To kick out again, I just feel like it's, like, it's like overkill at that point. Yeah, again, like I said earlier to you before we hit record here, it, it was not... It didn't... It didn't ruin the match for me, but the thing with the what you mentioned is that just the sequence of events, I think if you order them a little bit different, because if he kicks out of all these finishers, or, or he doesn't pin him or whatever, and then he hits him with the one-winged angel, and he kicks out at one, I mean, that's a little unrealistic. The fact that he kicked out of the move didn't bother me, because it's not Omega hitting it. I mean, you then might make the argument, again, not you, but just anyone in general... You know, oh, okay, but all these other people hit the Destroyer, and it's, you know, it never was kicked out of by P.D. Williams, because it was P.D. Williams doing it. All these other people, it's not as effective. My issue there, though, is that everyone fucking does the Destroyer. Everyone does a super kick. Everyone does, you know, an RKO or a Cutter at this point. That That's different. I mean, that that's just... I hate when everyone bastardizes these finishers. No one's really doing the one-winged angel, aside from Kenny Omega, and now Osprey in this one match against Omega, so that didn't bother me. But yeah, the yeah, kickouts... Here's my point, but don't you think, like, okay, the story's with Callus, so hit, if, like, if you're taking logic into it, then Callus helped him win with the screwdriver, hits his finish one, two, three, he would have a bitch at that point. He doesn't really even have a bitch at this point because he kicked out of it. Like, Callus is interference, and he would help him lose. So, like, it's stuff like that. Like, I feel like if you look at, like, old school or, like, just, like, wrestling logic, he got screwed by his old manager, okay, then he has a bitch, and then he loses. After he kicked out of the screwdriver, at that point, it's just a no-all match at that point because he didn't even get fucked. That's my biggest point. Like, it made no sense because, like, the whole point was Callus interfere, but Callus interfering didn't even help him lose. 
I agree, but I actually didn't mind that. That didn't bother me, and it normally would, but it didn't in this circumstance because I would rather Omega or rather Osprey win on his own with his own move as opposed to being a background player to the Callus and Omega story. I know you can argue that it was anyway because Callus was out there for maybe 90% of the match interfering and shit. I mean, he interfered. It's not like he didn't interfere, but he interfered a lot. But it wasn't what helped Osprey when Osprey still won on his own accord. He factored into the finish by helping him like he watered or rather, you know, broke Omega down by interfering with the, the screwdriver shit is stupid. Um, he helped him win, but not directly the finish. Like, I'm, I'm glad Osprey got his moment by winning with his own move as opposed to helping with, with Callus. I mean, he can still be pissed at Callus because Callus still got involved a bunch and, you know, he's, he's been a, you know, he's been a thorn in his side for a couple of weeks now for a couple different things. So I, I was actually okay with it for that reason. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's what stuck out to me, but I thought it was a good match. Those other things, like I just thought, were like wish it cleaned it up a little bit. But I thought, like I said, overall it was a good match. Yeah, no, it was it was great stuff, and uh, I preferred the first one. Like, I mean, both are just outstanding, so you can't really go wrong with either one. Um, I I just want to see more of Osprey. Do you think they do a rubber match at all in, or do you think they just cut it short here? Is it necessary? Um... I don't think it really is necessary. I feel like the story's not even with him anymore. It's more with Callus, so... Yep. I don't think it needs that. I don't think so. No, I mean, if Omega's going to be feeding with Callus, and listen, I don't want the Callus feed going on for seven months. I mean, AEW has this tendency to drag stuff on for far longer than it needs to be. You know, let it peak it all in, or maybe it all out, or whatever. There's no reason to drag this out till December, and have Omega wait to get his hands on Callus until, like, next year. That's just ridiculous. Um, if you do a third match, the Callus stuff even becomes... If it's still going on at that point, that'll you'll get just get the same outcome, and Osprey is going to win again anyway. So really, nothing is accomplished. You would get another great match out of it, but I just don't think it's necessary. Maybe for down the road in a couple of years, when different stakes are on the line, and it's not the U.S. title, maybe it's the World Championship in New Japan. Who knows? But uh, no, I don't think we need it. Although I would like to see Osprey on that show, though. If there was anyone on the AEW roster that you wanted to see him match up against. Is there any one opponent that stands out that you think that would make a great opponent for Osprey on that all-in show in England? <sighs> Jesus. Um, Could it be someone like a punk or something like that? Yeah, I think it's possible. Honestly, I would like to see him and Jay White. Too bad they're both heels. Yes, um, that would be cool. I don't know if they ever actually had a match in New Japan because they were always both heels. I don't know. No, I think that would be a good match. And besides, that, like, besides Punk, I don't really know who else would like is up to that like up to that level. Yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah. So no, I mean I like what I like what they've done, but I wish to I want to see more of him. So I mean that's a positive, I would say. Yeah, no, that is a positive. Was there anyone else on these shows that stood out to you? I mean, you mentioned earlier, like uh, you know, I think that's one of these one of the positives of doing these Forbidden Door shows is that you get great matches and matches you thought you would never see, like Danielson and Okada, which we'll get into. But it also gives. I mean, listen, I don't watch New Japan either, but I'm kind of more a little more aware of some of who these people are than you might be. But even then, I haven't seen all of their fucking matches. I've not seen all of Ishii's matches for the last 20 years. I only really know of them from what I hear about from the New Japan shows and watching Wrestle Kingdom. Um, that being said, though, was anyone else aside from Osprey really stand out to you this year or not so much? Um, I think it was honestly only Osprey. Like I said last year, like, Jay White probably. But besides that, no one else really has stuck out. Like I said, I think if anything, I feel like most like the New Japan guys, like the Japanese ones that people have been like really pumping up. Like, I don't know. I feel like like Tanahashi and all them. Like, I like them, but they are definitely at the end of their career. Clearly, mm-hmm. I mean, they do move a lot slower. So, if anything, I I would probably say one of them. But I feel like they're kind of at the end of their careers. 
so I wish that I saw them maybe when they were younger. But I think right now, I would say Osprey and White specifically out of the people the last two years that stuck out to me. Yeah, we talked about it last week, I think. I, I like Sonata. The guy looks like a star. He, he's come a long way from what we remember him as, as the X Division champion like 10 years ago in TNA. The problem is that he had a very underwhelming match on Sunday. I don't see, I haven't seen many of his matches. From what I understand, he's quite good. And I remember him in TNA 10 years ago, but... He's someone that I would say to you, like, oh, he's someone that's, you know, worth checking out more of, but that Perry match was pretty forgettable. No, yeah, I completely agree. I thought it was eh at best. It was more about the post-match angle, unfortunately, for him, but, you know, maybe he'll be in a bigger match next year. I mean, the IWGP Championship being on the line, like, in in the third or fourth match in the show doesn't speak uh, too highly of that championship and who's holding it right now, so maybe it's going to be in a bigger match next year. Um, not so much about the match itself, but Naito Sting Allen against Jericho Guevara Suzuki match was, was really not good. They didn't work well together. just didn't click. Crowd was dead. They were ready for the main event. Um, just, they were like the sting thing on the, on the, on the outside was weird. And this was what I wanted to talk about. So Guevara was going for like a 450, I think, through a table on a sting. Why the fuck he would do that? I have no idea. Sting and Guevara had so many multi-man matches together. I have no idea why against each other. With each other, I, I don't know. But they did another dumb spot here where I think he was, I think Sting was supposed to move and then Guevara would have gone through the table, but he didn't move and he hit Sting anyway. The problem is that Sting, I don't think got out of the way in time because we never so, saw Guevara again after that. It was really fucking weird. And what I wanted to mention here was that we saw that sort of thing again on Wednesday's Dynamite. They had a tornado tag team match, Sting and Allen beating Jericho and Guevara in the main event. The match was fine, it was enjoyable enough. Sting doing that dumb dive, and I know this is nothing new, man, but I mean, it's worth repeating. The guy's 60, what, 3, 64 years old at this point? I think 63. Maybe 64, actually. Uh, I think he came in at 61, and he's since had his birthday, so I think he's 64. I mean, dude, what are we doing here? And I love Sting. I'm actually a much bigger Sting fan than than you are, I'm sure, as far as the run that he's had in AEW. But some of this stuff is, the shit that he's doing is just so fucking unnecessary. I'm not saying he needs to be in there doing the bare minimum like Goldberg, but like, some of the stuff, it's going to get him either seriously hurt or killed, and that's how he ran, ran into the whole Rollins issue in Net of Champions in 2015 when he was doing fucking buckle bombs for no reason, and it ended his career by, like, for another five or six years. I mean, what are your thoughts on Sting's run at this point, some of the dumb shit he's been doing? I just think it's wildly unnecessary. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, what he did last night, I mean, the guy, like you said, the guy trying to kill himself, like... For a spot no one's going to remember tomorrow, like you always say, you know? No, he's no, exactly. I mean, in a week, no one will remember it happened, and then we'll move on. I just think it's silly. And now, listen, he's he's nearing the end of his run. He said, I think during the press scrum at Forbidden Door, that he's not done at all in. He will wrestle beyond that, I guess. His contract expires this year. He hasn't said if he's resigned or not. I think he is done to the end of the year. Is there anything else? How do you book the end of Sting's run in AEW? Is it a match with Darby Allen? He said he doesn't want to have singles matches, which, you know, if he's doing dumb shit like this, then probably not. Prefer Personally, I'd rather see him face Darby one-on-one and put him over. I just don't know what tag team match would be bigger than that unless they face FTR and they lose or something. I just also think it's goofy if the wins and losses matter in this company. Sting's had almost 20 matches in the last two or three years, and he's won every single one of them. So how have he and Sting, or him and Darby, not gotten a title shot yet? It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, I just... I feel like the team is just to get Sting on there. I mean, like you said, I guess they haven't got a title shot. I mean, hey, maybe they'll be they'll be teamed up in the. Well, actually, Darby's with. Uh, <laughs> 
with yeah. Orn. Never mind. Maybe Sting will get another title shot with someone else. Maybe Orn will get in there with him. I don't know. Maybe, honestly, I hate to say it. Maybe Jericho and Sting end up as a team because we, we're getting all these quote unquote <laughs> random teams, but I wouldn't be surprised, right? Oh, jeez, that's so bad. I'm I'm out. I not that I was ever really in, but I'm definitely out on Sting versus Jericho after the last couple of days. Not that they worked poorly together, but like we saw them work together so extensively at the pay per view, and then again on Wednesday. What's even the appeal of a singles match at this point? Nothing. Nothing. So I wouldn't do but it. I know- half the things they do like five dumpster garbage matches, and then they think you want to care about the one on one now. No, of course not. So I don't think that's much of an attraction for All In. Maybe they'll build it as such. I hope they move away from that. Jericho and Guevara, to me, makes more sense. Move in that direction. Guevara is basically a babyface at this point. They've teased tension. They've lost a lot. Just do that match. I, I don't need to see Jing and, Sting and Jericho again at this point. It's kind of unnecessary. Uh, we get to the main event. Brian Danielson and Kazuchika Okada. Uh, great match. I know they're capable of better, though. So I think this was a great match. Not as good as Omega Osprey, but they're capable of even better than this. Crowd is dead at certain points. It was just a long show, as, as per the case with every AEW pay-per-view. Danielson shockingly winning. Uh, quite the finish here. I mean, he's hurt, so it doesn't even really matter. It's not like they're putting heat on him for you know blood and guts. Maybe that was the intention, but he got hurt, fractured his forearm. According to Bree, it's worse than expected, so he's going to be out for a while. That sucks. He won't be at blood and guts on July 19th. Um, but still, I thought uh, the match was quite good. Coming up to final countdown was awesome. Sounds like per Tony Khan that it's only a one-off, which is totally fine by me. The fact they used it at all was sexy, so that was awesome. And the match itself was cool, and it lived up to the hype to me. So, did it live up to the hype to you? I know, again, you're not the biggest New Japan fan, but it was a match that was billed as a dream match. Were you impressed? Did you like it? What were your takeaways here? No, I thought it was pretty good. Like you said, it sucks that Brian got hurt. I mean, I think I had Brian going over. I think you said you were thought of Kata. Yes. You thought you were yep. trying to even it out here, but... No, I thought it was a good match. Like you said, I think it could have been a little bit better. I don't know if the injury itself kind of hampered it, but I thought it was good. Brian getting injured definitely doesn't help. I mean, I've not really been a big fan of his run with the whole BBC and the amateurs and all that crap they've been doing lately. <laughs> it's but the BCC. Yeah, it's awful, the BBC. <laughs> oh, my God. Terrible. The BBC's terrible. Um, but I, th- I like Brian a lot. I wish he was kind of doing like the more Healy stuff he was doing right when he came in. Yep. Uh, like against Hangman, but now we got him with the BCC, my best at BBC. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, that's what it basically is at this point. But, uh, mm-hmm. no, I thought it was a good match. Sucks he's hurt. Like I said, it sounded like from, I died, Brie Garcia. I'm like, literally I saw it, I said, who the fuck is that? Come um, on, Brie Garcia. Not, they, they don't own the rights anymore to the Bella Twins. I mean, that's how what you're known by, but whatever. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it sucks he's going to be hurt. It sounds like it'll probably be out for all... What's it called? All in? All in? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely out for blood and guts. He'll probably be out for all in, too. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, so that's definitely unfortunate. Um, But, I mean, it was a good match. I just feel like if you're Tony Khan, it kind of sucks he got hurt in a match that really meant nothing. Yeah, it was a big deal. I mean, listen, I'm glad he got hurt here and not a double or nothing. Because if, if they missed out with Brian at Forbidden Door two years in a row, that would have been shitty. And I don't know what they would have done instead. They would have figured it out, but it wouldn't have been as big as it was. Do you think they run this back at Wrestle Kingdom with Okada getting his win back? I feel like that's why Danielson won here. I, otherwise, I mean, I, I'm all for Danielson going over. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just kind of surprised that he won. No, yeah, I mean, I think it's a poly. Like I, I think it's... Maybe if we can run it back, like I said, I'm not sure exactly how far it would be out. I mean, it could be a, like a decent amount of months, and we're at the end of June here, so you count July as one. So, I mean, it's possible. Like I said, I think it could be a better match, and so maybe they do run it back if he's healthy, and he said Okada gets his win back. I mean, I don't think it's always necessary that they have to get their win back, but I like I know how people like to do that. So, we'll see. I thought, like I said, that was a good match. 
sucks that he's out. Um, but maybe, like I said, maybe get away from the BCC stuff when he gets back because it's absolutely awful. Yeah, New Japan is very high on the whole avenging losses thing, so that's why I say that. And it would be a big uh, attraction for, for that show, and it could be even better than it was here, especially if Danielson doesn't get hurt again. So um, I would definitely be down for that. Uh, Raw, we won't talk about Raw, but I thought it was a good show overall. It, it was solid. It wasn't the most exciting three hours, but we got a couple good matches in the second half. Carmelo Hayes making his Raw debut, losing to Finn Balor. People were upset about that, but I don't know what to tell you. I know you can also say, then don't put him in that spot, because I've said that before. I don't know, man. It just didn't really bother me. I don't think the NXT champion should be losing, but he was in there in a competitive match with the number one contender to the World Heavyweight Championship, and it was a fun match. They gave him a promo. that He appeared in front of the crowd. He had a backstage promo. They gave him a fucking video package. I mean, they really gave Carmelo Hayes the star treatment on Raw this week. No, I agree. I thought, I mean, him losing, like, obviously you don't want him losing as champion, but he also lost the guy that's the number one contender for the World Heavyweight Championship, who's been pushed stronger the last couple of weeks, like, beating the shit out of Rollins and stuff like that. In a competitive match, not like he like got beaten four minutes and was like one, two, three. I mean, it was a competitive match. He lost the battle. Like you said, he had he was put all over the show. I mean, I really don't understand what people were complaining about, but I saw it all over my feet. Like, oh my God, I can't believe Hayes lost. Like, what do you want him to beat fucking Balor? Like, I guess you could have like Cor- I like I just feel like Corbin interfering wasn't necessary. No, so it was not. I didn't have an not. issue with it. I thought like losing a defeat, like it is what it is. Like you can get away. Like he's not undefeated. Good. You can get that wipe that off his record. You don't have to worry about that foolishness. And I think he lost a battle in a really good match. I mean, I, I don't think it, there's a problem there. No, it was it was fine. It was probably better than most Raw debuts because, like I said, he got the star treatment. He's not going to go in there and beat Balor night one if he's not even a part of the main roster yet. So I'm not surprised. Did you see NXT got a very similar rating to last week and they didn't have Rollins on the show this week? I did. So good for the yellow brand. Uh, it's working out. I don't know. Long term, if it's going to work out. But listen, I've actually really liked the last two NXT, this Gold Rush show. I thought Rollins and Breaker was great. We talked about it last week. And I really liked Hayes and Corbin, too. Uh, they didn't have Rollins on this week's show, like I mentioned. But that was a good match. That Stratton and Thea Hale had a decent match with the NXT Women's Championship. The tag team title match was good. Um, they got some schism involvement right now. And them of the Creed brothers. And one of them might be called up. One of them might leave. We don't know. And there was another. Oh, um, Nathan Frazier and Dragon Lee also had a really good match for the NXT Heritage Cup Championship, which I don't give a shit about the title, but the match itself was good. So, And Corbin brought back the Lone Wolf thing. I was one of those people freaking out. I'm a mark, I know. But, um, you know, I love that Lone Wolf shit from NXT from many years ago. So I thought that was cool. And they had a really good match to boot. So uh, good for NXT for, for picking up the slack in recent weeks and putting on some good shows. But we wind down here. Money in the Bank predictions coming up on Saturday afternoon in London. This is going to be a big show coming up in London, July 1st. Looking forward to it. Money in the Bank is always a... Big show. This should be no exception. Running down the card here, Mr. Marceau. Seven matches advertised. We got a women's title match tomorrow night and a tag team title match tomorrow night in London on SmackDown. But these are the matches currently advertised for the pay-per-view coming up on Saturday. WWE women's tag team titles. Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler defending against Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan, who came back on SmackDown last week after Ronda and Raquel, or Ronda and Shayna rather, merged and unified the NXT and WWE women's tag team titles. So now they're one set of women's tag titles. Thank God. Uh, Raquel and Liv are looking for their rematch they never got after they had to vacate the championships back in late May. Um, I think Ronda and Shayna retain here. There's a small chance Raquel and Liv could take the belts back, but I just don't think that's necessary. They teased Raquel and Rhea recently. I would pursue that. Uh, Ronda and Shayna feel like they're just kind of getting started as champions, whether people like it or not. Yeah, I mean, I like that Liv and Raquel are back. Like, like, I mean, I think they both are better on their own, um, but I guess we'll see here. 
Uh, I I'm so over fucking Ronda and Shayna at this point. I feel like they they, they have like go away hate with me. Like I don't even like I'm not even mad when they're. I'm just like go get off my TV. I just feel like with Shayna, I just feel like they dropped the ball with her. And Ronda is as meant as least as she has since she's joined the company right now. Mm-hmm. I just I mean like I said, I'd rather live in Raquel go on their separate ways. I think Raquel needs a heel turn badly. Liv just needs a shot. I mean. She, I, I mean, the, what happened to her last year still like gets me mad just thinking about it. So um, I think Ronda and Shane are going to win. Like I said, they have basically go away heat with me at this point. But I'd rather Raquel go heel and 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 live kind of get a, her, her another shot at the title. Yeah, I would say I would Raquel going heel would be interesting. Like her turning on Liv because she can get some decent heat for it because Liv's so beloved and she's so over. I wouldn't do that right now though, just because I want Raquel and Rhea, and you would need to have Raquel as a babyface to do that so maybe after that's over maybe you can turn her heel because she needs a lot of she just is so boring as a babyface and they've given really fans no reason to care about her for the most part so i i would do that long term but i do think ron and Shayna retain here as well i agree gunter and matt riddle intercontinental championship made official on monday's raw who do you think goes over oh uh, i'm going gunter here i mean i like riddle i just don't see it happening um i like I just, I don't know, he just doesn't seem like he's, I don't know if he's not, I don't know if say he's not ready, his character's not ready, I just feel like losing to Gunther should mean something, Riddle's still kind of a joke, um, I mean, he's showing a little bit harder edge, the last couple weeks he beat up uh, Vinci and, and I mean, Ludwig's still there, but I, I would have Gunther go over here, I think, I mean, I've seen reports that Orton might be on his way back, so maybe he can kind of rekindle that, if that's possible, maybe we get... I get beat down here and Orin comes back, but um, I would have Gunther win here. Yeah, Orton coming back would be interesting. I don't know if he comes back on, on Saturday, but that would make for an amazing reaction in London, I'll tell you that much. Um, he's definitely one to keep an eye out for. But no, Riddle, I think, falls short of the championship. I wouldn't mind a rematch at SummerSlam. We haven't even seen the first one, but I'm already expecting a great match and for them to run it back at SummerSlam. But uh, I'm glad this is on the card and they're not doing it on Raw like Rhea and Natalia, like anyone cares, but... You know, th- this one feels like an attraction. They're getting Gunter back in, in Europe, which should be great, and I think the match is going to be a lot of fun. Cody Rhodes versus Dominic Mysterio. Uh, again, talking about crowd reactions, this should be great. The crowd should love Cody. They should hate Dominic. I, I said a couple weeks ago, Dominic beating Cody, I wouldn't do just because Cody's already lost to Roman, then Brock, and now Dominic would be a bit much. But they kind of have to. I mean, Cody, they said it even on Raw this week, the commentators referenced it during Cody's match with Damian, that Cody wants that match with Brock. And we're going to get to the SummerSlam. Uh, we're getting that rubber match, what you know, stipulation TBA. But still, um, you know, I think we're getting that rematch there. And Cody's probably going to lose here via Brock interference. Dominic winning on his own would be dumb. Um, you know, typically I would want to heal the win clean, but not in this circumstance. I think Brock shows up in London. Cost Cody the win, beats the shit out of him, and we get a rematch at SummerSlam. So, uh, do you think that's what goes down here? I would book that, pal. And then Dominic can brag about beating Cody. Yeah, and then he can beat Seth. He can face Seth at SummerSlam. Exactly. I don't think he beats Seth. I don't think he should beat Seth, but I do think that's the SummerSlam match. Seth and Dominic for the World Heavyweight Championship, and Rollins can complete the trifecta of going through every member member of the Judgment Day and retaining their title against them. Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. Becky Lynch, Trish Stratus, Zoe Stark, Bailey, Eosky, Zelina Vega. Six women here, three from Raw, three from SmackDown. Uh, basically, two storylines and then just Zelina Vega, who I like, but it's like she's just kind of in there to fill a spot. Vega's not winning. Uh, Trish does not need this. Bailey does not need this. Becky Lynch does not need this. Becky or Bailey would fit the spot of Miss Money in the Bank well, but I don't think she needs to win it. She's already won it before anyway. 
that leaves Zoe and Io. I like Zoe. I think it's a little too soon. I don't see her on that level right now anyway, and Rhea's the current champion, so it just doesn't make sense. Io has been ready for that next spot. She got that match with Bianca at Backlash, and she was super over. They had a great match. Io's got to win. Bailey can get pissed that she won and then turn on her afterwards or in the match or whatever the fuck. Um, but I think Io's got to win here and become Miss Money in the Bank. No, I completely agree. I mean, Io wins. I think even if it's predictable, it's what should happen. Um, I mean, Becky wins. I mean, I mean, I'm one of the biggest Becky marks out here, but I just I don't think it needs to happen, so it shouldn't. Um, so I, I think Io wins here. Um, like I said, I, I mean, I think there's a there's a chance that um, that Zoe could win. I just don't think that's needed. Like you said, I think you have Io win here. Bailey gets pissed. We get the turn. I mean, you can even get them at SummerSlam in a non-title match, which would be nice. Um, she's still holding the briefcase at that point. So I like it. I think Io should win. Anyone else winning would kind of seem dumb, besides Zoe, but I just don't think she's ready yet. Yeah, I think Io is just the right person at the right time, and she's just ready for the next level, as we said. So I'm hoping she wins and comes away with a briefcase. Men's Money in the Bank. Logan Paul, a bit more difficult to predict. we got a couple of potential contenders, but one really person that should win. Logan Paul, LA Knight, Damian Priest, Santos Escobar, Butch, Ricochet, and Shinsuke Nakamura. There might be a different answer here, so I'll ask you two questions. Who do you think wins, but who do you want to win? And it might be the same answer. Hey, how you asked me the hard ones first. Prick <laughs> um, I'm just a mark, so I'm going to say LA Knight wins, and he should win. You got that Logan Paul text ready yet, or no? <laughs> I'm not even going to put that one in the feed. I will. I'll put that one in the feed. You'll, you'll have the Becky Lynch one in the feed in case she wins. Listen, Logan Paul winning is my pick, and I am... One of those people that just expects the worst out of any company just because I... Not that I'm being realistic. I just want to get my... I don't want to get my hopes up in case I'm disappointed. I'm one of those people. And I'm going to do that here as well. And I've said this before. I actually like Logan Paul. I think, you know, he's done great work. And I think him holding that briefcase would be great. But not this year. Especially at a point when we already have a part-time champion on Fridays. I don't think he would beat Rollins for the belt anyway. But we just saw him in Rollins a couple months ago. I know you mentioned you want to see it again. I wouldn't complain either. They had a great match at WrestleMania. I just don't think now's that time, and he won't be around anyway. I could see WWE wanting him to hold the briefcase to, you know, give it some media attention and whatever. I don't know, man. I would just wait another year. The problem with him winning it, it's not like there's no one else in this match that should win it. It's fucking LA Knight. He's the guy that you got to run with. He's so over right now. I mean, to not do that would be silly. Do you think there's any... I mean, Santos, I like a lot. I don't think he's winning. Butch, I know he's from London. It would be very surprising if he won Ricochet. Let's not even consider that an option. He's not going to win. I like Ricochet, but he's not going to win. And Nakamura, dark horse, but probably not. Do you think there's any value in Damian Priest, though? Because they're doing this whole Finn Balor thing. People, I've seen a lot of people this past week say, oh, yeah, I think Damian's winning. Damian's amazing. We said this coming out of Backlash. Him getting more spotlight. Sign me the fuck up. That's great. I just, I, I hate the fucking idea of people cashing in a mid-card belt. Maybe LA Knight would do that and cash in on Theory. I think that'd be trash. Save it for a world title. I just think it's a waste. We've talked about it last week. People disagree, but that's just my mindset. Damian Priest is ready for that next level as well, but I don't think he faces Rollins for the World Heavyweight Championship unless he holds on to it for a while. Damian would be great, but I just feel like LA Knight's the guy because if LA Knight doesn't win here, I don't think he gets pushed up the card. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's... I mean, I think I completely... I think, like I said, Logan Paul winning it, I just... No, thank you. I just, like, I think it's just the wrong time for him to win it. I think, like I said, I think LA Knight's so over. 
I know him and Priest are in the same boat. They both are older, so I get like people saying Priest. The thing with Priest winning is like he's lost so much lately. I feel like him winning would just like I don't know. Like that, you usually lose a shit ton after you win it. He hasn't <laughs> won a meaningful match in a while. Like he lost to Bad Bunny. He lost to Rollins. He lost to Cody. He lost like he loses. He's lost a decent amount lately. And with Knight, like I said, especially with his age, he's so fucking over right now. I feel like it would just be a huge mistake. They're always saying, oh, they know they're worried about pushing him because of his age. He's legit as over as he's ever going to be right now. You might as well just do it. He's over as fuck. And I think it just makes so much sense that they won't do it. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like he has things that they're worried about. But, like, he's over and he's older. So if he's if you're worried about his age, this is the perfect time. At that point, he's just gonna be a, like you said, basically like a mid carter for life. So I, I I think he he needs a win. I think it makes so much sense. They probably won't. Damien, I get it, but I mean, what's he gonna do? What's Cody gonna wipe or Seth gonna wipe through the fucking Judgment Day and he's gonna cash in after he loses the Dominic? Mm-hmm. No fact. No, yeah, I don't think that's happening. I just think with LA Knight, the time is now. I mean, he'll probably still be over, win, lose, or whatever, but. I mean, why not capitalize on the guy that's over? And we say all the time, they don't have a lot of people that are over, aside from the established main event talent. A lot of these new people are not over. LA Knight is miraculously, despite no meaningful push, not even being at WrestleMania, has gotten over. The guy lost to Bray Wyatt in five minutes at the Rumble, and he's still over. I mean, that is, it's a miracle, really. And I think they should reward him by having him go over. But if Vince McMahon's fingerprints are anywhere near this thing, which they probably will be, there's a chance that he won't. I know you're picking him. I'm going to go Logan Paul, though I do really want LA Knight to win. And I think London would really want to see that as well. Uh, World Heavyweight Championship, Rollins, Balor. Pretty safe to say Rollins wins this right. I think more of a question is, Rollins retains, obviously. Does Drew come back afterward and lay out Rollins and establish himself as next in line for the World Heavyweight Championship? My only two issues with that are, one... Him coming back as a heel would be great, but I feel like he'd be cheered in London because he's, you know, from Europe and whatever, and people would go nuts if he came back. So, I know Rollins is over and whatever, but I, I would do that probably elsewhere if they really want to do that. The second thing being, if Dominic is getting the next shot as we expect, then McIntyre coming back now and attacking Rollins, the timing would be odd. I could see McIntyre coming back at SummerSlam. Um, I don't know if he comes back here, so I'm going to say no. Uh, what about you? Who do you think wins, and does Drew come back afterward? I mean, I think... I mean, God, now that you say that, it's, like, giving me fucking nightmares. Um, nightmares? I feel like that's a good idea, though, if it happens. No, but it's giving me nightmares. I could so see, like, like I said, I don't think he'll come back here. So, Rollins wins LOL. That's definitely happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think Drew comes back here, but, like, I feel like then he could come back at SummerSlam, and then, like, he'll attack Rollins, and Rollins, someone will, like, Priest could, or whoever wins would cash in on Rollins. Oh, and then okay, they'd, okay. Then they'd lose the belt, and then we'd get... Like, like I said, honestly, it's a little feeding into what you said. Like, Priest would cash in, win, and then, like, it would start basically with him and Finn because Finn would be pissed that, like, mm-hmm. Priest won the belt. And then you just have Drew and Drew and Rollins with throwing out the belt because he screwed Rollins over. I mean, I actually kind of like that, actually. I don't Now that you say it like that, which I have not heard that idea uh, pissed. I do. I like that idea. I'm not saying they should do it. I like the idea. I like. I think it's a good idea, but I don't want Priest winning. <laughs> I is it? I don't think you're anti-priest. I think you're just pro LA Knight, right? No, I, I actually like Priest. But yeah. Like I said in theory, like he's lost a decent amount lately. I think LA Knight makes more sense. Priest already had his chance at the belt. Like I don't. I mean, like I said, with that story, yeah, it makes sense. And he's on Raw, so if, like it's going for this. I mean, they, I guess they never really specified like if you cash in, you have to cash on the per. Like they haven't really made any rules. It used to be the brand you were associated with. Yeah. Um, but. 
I mean, if they're going with the raw person, Priest would make the most sense. I just think it should be LA Knight. But now that you're saying that, I feel like like it would make too much. Like it literally write itself if that happened. Yeah, I honestly don't hate that idea. Hey, it's better than Logan Paul winning the title again, or winning the title, or cashing in on Rollins and, and beating him and, and having that feud again and doing it for the world title. I just would not like that. But um, you know, the way you laid it out, I don't hate. It. I think I do think LA Knight should should win the title and should win the briefcase, and him winning the title would be great. So I'm kind of hoping that happens. So I guess we'll find out coming up on Saturday. Uh, but we have one more match though. How could we go off the air with just that? We have Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa of the Bloodline of who who's left of the Bloodline anyway. Taking on the Usos. Now, WrestleVote, who's been pretty credible in the past, the insider WWE Twitter account, saying there was a closed doors meeting recently with all the members in this match discussing the finish. Now, assuming that's true, that means that it's, it's, this match could go either way, first of all. Second of all, it's going to be a big, shocking finish. And it's not going to, I heard there might be a shocking finish of the pay per view, and it's not going to involve the briefcase holders or whatever. That tells me, I don't know about you. Actually, you know what? I'm going to save my prediction. I'm going to continue the trend of giving you the tough questions and asking you, Mr. Marceau, who goes over here in the Bloodline Civil War? God, I hate you. Um, <laughs> I hate that every time the hardest one's like, oh, I'm sorry with you. Thanks, dude. Um, I think I think Uso's got to go over. I mean, I don't know if Jay pins Roman or what happens. I think for the story to continue, I think Uso's have to win. If they don't win, I mean... How do they can? Yeah, I agree. How do they continue? I guess so. I think you have the Usos win here. I don't know if you have Jay pin Roman. I feel like if that's a shock, it'd be that. I mean, I guess you could have like Roman accidentally like spearing like Solo, like didn't mean to, and he spears Solo. They throw Roman out and they pin Solo. But I think for the shock value alone, I feel like you would have Jay pin Roman. I think Usos win regardless. I don't know what. I I just don't think like. There, there would be the stories. Not that's dead, but like them losing, just like then what, what would their bitch be? I guess at that point. I mean, I guess like Haman could get involved, but no thanks. I think Usos win here. I, like I saw you say you don't want Roman losing by pinfall until he loses the belt. I mean, I agree to a point, but if it's, I feel like Jay's the one. Like, if he's not going to be in for the belt, at least I guess he could hold that. Like I pinned Roman Reigns, mm-hmm. so. I think Jay pins Roman. I would fucking jump off my couch, possibly through a window, that a wall, everything. Um, then we get the actual match at SummerSlam. I, I think that's what you. I think that's what you do. But I mean, like I said, you could still have them win and not Roman pin. But I think Roman getting pinned here, like I said, then Jay could say he still has a victory over Roman, even if he loses that. Yeah, I yeah no, I think that's what's gonna happen. I think the Usos are going to win. That's what I was gonna say earlier before I threw it to you. I think the Usos are gonna win. <laughs> oh, now it's easy now. Now it's easy now. I just dissected it. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, no, no, but that's what I was gonna say. I feel like the Usos will win. I would have them pin solo. I maintained and I tweeted this the other day. I, and, and it's again, it's it's a preference thing. I would not have Roman get pinned until he loses the championship. I would not do that. I know you can also say, and I get this as well. Well, if Roman gets pinned, it still wasn't one-on-one. So, I mean, you can't say he hasn't been pinned because he would have gotten pinned. But you can still say, well, he hasn't been beaten one-on-one since December 2019. Okay, yeah, all right, all right, that's fine. I I just still would protect Roman, as silly as that sounds. I'd protect Roman until he drops the championship. But if they want to give the Usos something, but not everything, they don't give him the title, then okay, I get it. I get it, honestly. So I think that's what's going to happen. I would have them pin Solo, but Solo also just lost at the last pay-per-view, so I don't know if they want to do that again. 
I think Jay's going to pin Rowan. I do. And I do think they're going to do Jay or maybe Jimmy, but probably Jay. Because Jake, again, has never beaten Roman before. Man, we can avoid this by having Cody take the belt off of Roman at WrestleMania 39. And you can hear Jay and Roman at SummerSlam. And then Jay can beat him there. But whatever. Uh, I guess we're beyond that. So I got to get that obligatory shot in there. But I do think Jay Uso pins Roman. And Jay gets the title shot at SummerSlam. And he loses. <laughs> I know. They'll find a way to extend the program, I'm sure. But I don't think Jay, I don't think the Usos are winning the title. I, I don't, and I don't really... I, I prefer them over most people. I still think it should be Cody Rhodes. I am that <laughs> dumbass that thinks that the it's going to be Cody. All roads come back to Cody. All roads lead to Roman, as they say. And I think that happens at Mania 40. I do. And, uh, yeah. So, you, you sticking with the Usos as well, and you think Jay's going to pin Roman is what you said? Yes. All right. Well, we'll find out. Right. <laughs> Because <laughs> I feel like they beat Solo, then it would be two times in a row, and then Roman would have a bitch to get rid of Solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But which is going to happen at some point, but not right now. So I agree. Um, yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. It's going to be a big moment. And I, I Listen, I don't want Roman getting pinned, but it would be a bigger and more eventful finish to the show. And make no bones about it. This is closing the show, obviously. Um, it's better than Roman just beating Jimmy and that being <laughs> And then it's like, okay, well... All right, like you'll face Jay at the next show, I guess. Like, no, I, I, they kind of, they have to win. They, they kind of have to win. The Usos need something. They've lost it. They've lost a lot lately too. Remember, they lost the tag titles. They lost the rematch. You know, Jay lost the theory. Jay lost the theory. They, they need something, and I think that something comes in the form of a pinfall win over Roman with Jay Uso. Looking forward to the match, though. Looking forward to the show. We'll talk all about it right here on the show next week, Mr. Marceau. Bring your thoughts. Bring your analysis. I'm looking forward to it. Enjoy your 4th of July. Enjoy the cookout on Saturday. I'll make sure not to send you any spoilers from the show. Just text me when you're done watching, and we'll discuss. Sounds good, brother. Sounds good, brother. Enjoy the weekend. I'll catch you rest down the road. Later. Adios. Adios.